right, welcome, everybody. Good to see you. Good to be together uh, with you. Thanks so much for making River Glen part of your Sunday. Glad you're here. We're continuing this series called The New You, which is based on this uh, list in the New Testament, Galatians chapter 5, of uh, really a beautiful picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus better and to become more uh, like Jesus. Let's, let's take a look at this and let's uh, say this out loud together. Ready? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I want you to notice here this phrase, uh, this phrase right here. It's not, the, it's not called the fruit of the church. It's not called the fruit of trying hard or the fruit of your family. It's called the fruit of the Spirit because this is the result of the Holy Spirit working in your life and producing these nine uh, qualities that are listed uh, here. And so don't try this alone. You know, we, we want to lean into the Holy Spirit. You want to know how to do that? We talked about it the first weekend. You can go back to our website, go to our mobile app, and you can, you can watch that message. And now today, we come to this fruit right here called kindness. Recently, I was in this conversation, and somebody uh, said that kindness is easy uh, compared to these other fruit. Uh, that are on this list. And I got to thinking about that. You know, in some ways, that's true. Kindness is kind of a low-hanging fruit. I mean, we have opportunities most, uh, most of the time, most days, we have lots of opportunities to show kindness. And it does come easier for some people. I want you to evaluate yourself. I want you to imagine the front of the stage here is a continuum of kindness. And way over on this uh, edge, you know, over here, um, you know, if you're over here, I mean, you just ooze with kindness. I mean, every pore of your being just oozes with kindness. It comes easy. It comes natural uh, for you. And then over here in the middle are those of us who uh, our kindness level kind of fluctuates, kind of depends how our day is going, how the traffic was, what kind of mood we're in. Do we feel like being kind? And then uh, way over on this end over here, uh, I think I'll just say that uh, we are kindness challenged, okay? Uh, you know, there are some people who get up in the morning and they just take a nasty pill, all right? And uh, it's one of those uh, time release capsules that goes for about 24 hours. Uh, some of us are just naturally, naturally harsh, quick to judge and, and criticize. Maybe we've got a little bit of a, the uh, jerk factor uh, going on over on that and over there. Here's what we don't want to do, though, with people who are over here who are kindness challenged. We don't want to judge them. Maybe you've heard this old saying that people who are hurting hurt other people. And maybe they grew up with a family with a lot of anger and hurt and dysfunction. Sometimes people start following Jesus, and you know what? It takes them 10 years to get where you are on your journey of kindness because you grew up in a great environment. And honestly, I'm not really concerned today where you are on the kindness continuum. Here's what I'm concerned about. Wherever you are, are you growing and developing more of the fruit of kindness uh, in your life. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, there's a great definition of love. Help me out here. Love is patient. Love is? Yeah, great. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at this verse. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind. Say these last two words. To everyone. Must be kind to everyone. So kindness is not a feeling that you feel. It's not just an emotion that you internalize. It's something that you do. Kindness always expresses itself in very practical ways. Somebody said kindness is the language the blind can read and the deaf can hear. It's something that you do. And so kindness is a low-hanging fruit. But you know what? At the same time, I think it's actually one of the most difficult fruit on the list because of something Paul says right before he gives this list of the fruit of the Spirit. Paul says that all of us have this right here. 
a sinful nature, and it's very selfish, and it's very sneaky. The sinful nature is so sneaky that we can do something kind on the outside, and you know what? On the inside, it's all about me. We may not even realize it, but we can have a hidden motive, me. And so maybe we do something kind for someone, and we don't get recognized for it, you know, the way that we think that we should. Or maybe they don't appreciate our act of kindness the way that we think they should. Or maybe it takes more time, more energy than we planned. And our sinful nature sneaks in and makes it about me. And I back off. I pull away uh, from kindness. So kindness is very challenging. But the type of kindness that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in our lives is so much more life-changing and life-giving. It not only changes me, it can change the people around me. It can go way beyond me and have a huge impact in the lives of uh, others. And so we're going to discover how this kindness works by looking at a, a moving story of kindness that happened a couple thousand years ago. It's recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 9. If you want to turn there, if you have a Bible with you, or if you want to just grab the Bible in the chair back in front of you, I think it's on page 213. Here's what intrigues me about this story. It's about a very tough and rugged uh, king by the name of David, who was also very kind. Nobody could argue that David was a man's man, one of the greatest warriors that ever lived. Scripture says that as a little boy, he battled, he would wrestle with lions and tigers. As a teenager, he slayed the giant Goliath. The Bible calls him, uses words to describe him like valiant and courageous. And David also experienced the school of hard knocks. If you were here last weekend, we, we talked about how he lived his life as a fugitive on the run, trying to hide from King Saul, who wanted to kill him. And so David had plenty of opportunities to develop a hard and calloused heart. But in our story, we see that while David was tough and rugged on the outside, he was tender and kind on the inside. And while this is not a very well-known passage of Scripture, I think it's one of the most moving and inspiring stories in the Bible. Here's the backstory. Here's a little bit of background. Uh, David's best friend in the whole world was, was a guy by the name of Jonathan. And what was so amazing about the friendship between David and Jonathan is that Jonathan's dad was the previous king, King Saul, who tried to kill David, and yet Jonathan helped David hide. Jonathan protected David so that he could become the next king. And you would expect that Jonathan might have thought, well, hey, I deserve that throne. My dad is the previous king. I should inherit that throne. But they had this amazing friendship, this amazing love. But then Jonathan dies. You ever lost someone close to you? You ever lost a close friend? As we move into our story, David is now the king of Israel. But one day, just out of nowhere, he gets this sneak attack of grief. And he misses his friend Jonathan. Maybe those of you that have lost a loved one, you can relate to this. You know what it's like to maybe just be driving down the road uh, and, and you just think, I sure miss my wife. I miss my friend. I miss my sister. I miss my dad. These thoughts hit you, and it surprises you just how quickly grief, feelings of grief can just overwhelm you, even years and decades later. I think that's what happens to David in 2 Samuel chapter 9. He just, he just gets flooded with grief in a very unexpected moment. And he misses uh, Jonathan. And in the midst of it, he starts thinking about something. He starts wondering about something. In verse 1, David asked, is there anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He wonders, is there anybody still alive in Jonathan's family 
you know, that I could show kindness to as a way to honor my late friend. And so David sends for a man who had worked for King Saul by the name of uh, Ziba. It's kind of a fun name to say. Uh, Ziba sounds kind of like an energy drink or, or, or something. And uh, verse 3 says, then the king asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. And Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. Look at this. He's crippled in both feet. Now, here's something I want you to notice. Uh, uh, David wants to show God's kindness. Notice that phrase, God's kindness. This is not the kindness that's about me. This is much bigger than, than David. God has been so kind to David. I mean, remember, David was at the bottom of the social ladder, and God chose him to be the next king. And then God protected David from Saul. And now David wants to share the kindness of God with someone from Jonathan's uh, family. And so when David finds out about this son who's crippled in both feet, he sends for this son. This is Jonathan's son. This is Saul's grandson. And uh, here's his name, uh, um, M, <laughs> right there, all right? Um, say this out loud with me. Try to say this out loud with me. Ready? Mephibosheth. Yeah, I've been practicing all week, so hopefully I won't screw it up uh, too bad. I may call him M a few times. Uh, if you're pregnant and you're looking for a name uh, for your child, you know, maybe you want to go to a Bible name, right there, uh, Mephibosheth. And uh, Mephibosheth is not only crippled in both feet, he comes from a poverty-stricken town called Low Debar. Now try to imagine this scene, okay, this crippled, poverty-stricken young man who's been forgotten, uh, makes his way to the palace, into the presence of the king. Maybe he lives in pain every day. Maybe he uses a cane or a walker. You know what? Maybe he needs to crawl up the steps of the palace. All his life, he's walked with a limp. All of his life has been difficult and draining. All of his life, he's been treated like an outcast, like a nobody. Because if you were crippled in that day, you usually had to resort to begging. Because you just got in the way of important people who were in a hurry to get wherever they were Going. And so here's Mephibosheth, this forgotten, long-lost son of the deposed king, painfully making his way into the presence of this tough king, this military king, who took the throne from his grandfather, and so maybe he thinks it really belonged to his father, and he's afraid, and maybe he thinks, what's the king want with me? Does he view me as a threat? Maybe he wants to end my life. Verse 6, when he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, uh, greetings, M. And uh, M replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the pro property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's, at the king's uh, table. And Mephibosheth responds to these words by falling to the ground in front of David, and he says, no way. Why would a tough and rugged king like you show kindness to, and here's how he describes himself, look at this, a dead dog like me? Breaks your heart, doesn't it? Well, you know what, that's probably the way he viewed himself because he was probably treated that way uh, most of his life, just like a dead dog. He's saying, I'm a nobody, I'm, I'm forgotten, I'm from a poverty-stricken town, and I'm crippled besides that. Well, David does something amazing. He gives Mephibosheth everything that belonged to his, his, uh, his grandfather, King Saul, 
and his family. And he instructs Ziba, along with his 15 sons and 20 servants, to farm that land and provide for Mephibosheth. And then David adds, Mephibosheth will always eat at the royal table in my palace for the rest of his life. And then the story closes with these words in verse 11. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And from then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. That's God's kindness. And that's the type of kindness that God wants to develop in, in your life and my life. Maybe some of you are familiar with this description in Scripture where David is described as a man after God's own heart. It's no accident. It's no accident that David would demonstrate more and more of God's kindness to people because the more he focused on God, the more he went after God's heart, the more God would raise the level of his sensitivity so that he could see the needs of others around him. And as you and I, as we open ourselves up uh, to God, And as we go after God's heart and as we lean on the Holy Spirit, God will open our eyes to the needs around us. He will will lead you to express kindness to the Mephibosheths that are all around you and all around me. Now, with David's kindness to uh, M as a a benchmark, I want us to spend some time evaluating our kindness uh, levels. First of all, something I just love about David's kindness to Mephibosheth is that it just seems spontaneous. Because that's really the nature of kindness. It's spontaneous. Don't you get the feeling as you hear this story about David and M that this was all pretty much unplanned. David gets this sneak attack of grief. And uh, one day, and he goes, oh, I miss, I miss Jonathan. I wonder if he's got any family members that are still alive. Oh, he's got a, a crippled son. Bring him in. Send for him. Oh, I'm going to give him what belonged to his grandfather, Saul. And I'm going I'm I'm to appoint servants to take care of him. He's going to sit at my table every day. I'm going to treat him like one of my own sons. I mean, you don't get the idea that David said, you know what, I need to take a few months and think about what I could do. No, I don't think he had to strategize. I think he's making this up as he goes along. That's what kindness does. It's just spontaneous. David no doubt felt felt prompted by God, and he just responded immediately. Now, a few weeks ago, I had something unplanned happen in one of the uh, services. I don't know, maybe some of you heard about this. Maybe some of you were there. This was on a Saturday night. This was unplanned, and there was this spontaneous uh, reaction. um, It was a Saturday night service, and I made a big mistake. I uh, I, I usually get a cup of coffee before I come in here. I was out at the table mixing up my coffee, And all of a sudden, I see one of our staff members, Don Rowe, run out of the auditorium with a look of panic on his face. And he says, where's Ben? And all of a sudden, it hit me. It was my turn to get up on stage. And um, were were any of you there for that? A few of you? Okay. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. I I mean, I, I haven't run this fast in a long time. I ran as fast as I could, you know, back around here. But somebody timed it. There was a 50 second period of silence in here. Uh, you know, waiting for me to come up on, on stage. And uh, I, I came up here, I felt so bad, embarrassed, scared. I don't know if people are going to boo, people are going to be angry. I got up and I, 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 I apologized. And people spontaneously laughed and clapped and showed kindness toward my mistake. And I felt so relieved. Uh, thank you uh, for that. Uh, now, the producer over here had a heart attack. Um, they, they had to use the paddles on her, but she's going to be fine. 
Um, she's doing really good. But I appreciate the spontaneous kindness. You know, that's how kindness works. Kindness, you ever thought about this? Has a window of opportunity. You ever had somebody do something kind for you or something very generous for you and you think to yourself, you know, I need to send them a thank you note. And then a little time goes by and you don't send a note and more time goes by and more time goes by and then so much time has gone by, you're too embarrassed to send a thank you note. Or maybe somebody moves in your neighborhood a couple doors down and you think, I really ought to go down there, introduce myself, welcome them to the neighborhood, and then three years later, you still haven't welcomed them to the neighborhood, and you're, you're too embarrassed. See, when it comes to opportunities to show kindness, they don't last. You've got to act now. You've got to seize the opportunity. You've got to seize the moment. And I would encourage you like, to be like David and pay attention to those promptings of the Holy Spirit to show kindness. And it can come in a lot of different ways. You know, maybe you're sitting at a restaurant and you just think, you know, I need to leave an extra generous tip for this uh, server to show appreciation or to cheer this server up. Or maybe you're in a restaurant and you see somebody eating alone or a young couple and you, you, you think, I could, I could encourage them by showing some kindness and anonymously paying for their check today. Uh, that's spontaneous kindness. It means saying hello to a stranger in the hallway. It may mean sending flowers or calling someone who is grieving. It may mean stopping by a hospital room to visit someone even though you're not exactly sure what you're gonna say when you get there. It may mean taking in a pregnant teenager. Maybe as you walk out of this service today, you feel a prompting to show kindness to someone in the lobby. Or maybe you feel prompted to show kindness to a neighbor and mow their grass or something. I want to brag, brag on some of you a little bit because I see so many people in this church doing spontaneous acts of kindness wherever the, the Holy Spirit leads. And it starts with the children. Kids are, are setting the example. Take a look. Yeah, let's show our appreciation to these kids. Great job. Love it. Kids, setting the example and uh, showing uh, spontaneous acts of kindness. A few weeks ago, I'm in, a, I'm in a meeting in our conference room, and we see this uh, high school girl outside the window on her cell phone, which isn't surprising, but for the next hour, she's standing out there on her cell phone, and we're like, what, what is, why is she out there? What, why is she on her phone uh, for so long? Turns out our student pastor, Andy Averill, challenged all the high school students during Kingdom Project Week to show love and kindness to 100 people that week. And this high school girl was, was, had stepped out outside, and she's going through a contact list on her phone. And she was just calling uh, people on her list to see how they're doing, to see if they need anything, just to show uh, spontaneous kindness 
and, and love. Isn't that great? Teenagers leading the way. You may not know this, but we have a, a meals ministry in our church for uh, people grieving the loss of a loved one or recovering from, for, uh, from a surgery or adjusting to life after the birth of a new baby. Recently, somebody contacted, we contacted the uh, meals ministry about someone who had a, a surgery, major surgery, but lived several miles away. And uh, our meals ministry could have said, oh, that's just too far, you know, for us uh, to drive. But instead, this team of people spontaneously provided a meal every day for two weeks to show kindness to this person during their recovery. I talked to one of the leaders, and you know what is the biggest obstacle for our, our meals ministry? It's not preparing the meals. It's not delivering the meals. It's getting people to say yes to receiving the meals. Sometimes it's hard to say yes to receive an act of, of, of kindness. But you know what? If you need meals, I hope that you'll say yes and give them the opportunity to show and demonstrate God's kindness uh, to, to you. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you from experience, the food is, is really yummy. And here's the uh, email if you need meals. Here's the email. If you want to be on the team and prepare meals, uh, deliver meals, uh, send them an e email right there. Great opportunity. We also have a, a team that started a garden. Yeah, this summer. A new group uh, launched this uh, uh, community uh, garden. Maybe you saw the sign in our uh, parking uh, lot. This was kind of a spontaneous idea somebody uh, brought to us. And uh, they're growing uh, eggplant, beans, onions, cucumbers this summer. And we're giving all those vegetables away to the food pantry in Waukesha. I don't know if you know this, but one in five families in the city of Waukesha don't have enough uh, food. And many of them depend on the, the food pantry. See, we've got hungry Mephibosheths out there right in our own community, and many of you help feed them. And by the way, the garden group uh, meets on Thursday nights. You're welcome to come and, and join them. What a great way to show God's kindness. Some of you Davids, some of you Davids here, you uh, lead support groups for emotionally wounded Mephibosheths who've been touched by an addiction, who've been touched uh, by a hurt. Some of you, David, serve as Stephen ministers, and you provide encouragement and kindness uh, to people who are grieving a loss or just going through a difficult season in their life. It, it just seems like every time I turn, I see some of you, Davids, uh, spontaneously responding and showing kindness. And I'm just so proud of you. And I just want to ask all of us to evaluate yourself. How are you doing, you know, when it comes to this aspect of uh, spontaneous uh, kindness. Another characteristic that I admire about David's kindness is that he responded sensitively. Sensitively. Isn't it interesting that just out of the blue, David has this burst of sensitivity. And he says, is there anybody still alive from Jonathan's family that I can show kindness uh, to? I know for me, sometimes I have difficulty being sensitive even after I find out about a need. But David goes and looks for a need. And when he discovers that Mephibosheth uh, has a need, he, he, takes, he takes action. Maybe it's because he prayed regularly for God to open his eyes to the needs around him. And David sets an example for us to respond with sensitivity to the Mephibosheths in our life. Because I guarantee you, for many uh, reasons, every single day, I mean, you are, you, are, you are surrounded by people who walk with a limp. Maybe it's not physical. Maybe, maybe it is. Or maybe it's emotional, or maybe it's relational, or maybe it's a, a spiritual limp deep in their soul. And the Holy Spirit says to us, open your eyes. They're all around you. 
in your church, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. They sit next to you at school, maybe even in your own family. You know, this might, this might sound kind of uh, surprising, like something that may not even need to be said, but, but I think it does. Sometimes it's easier to be sensitive to a stranger than a family member. You ever notice that? It's easier to do a random act of kindness for a complete stranger than, than a family member. Sometimes, sometimes we take family members for granted, and they get the short end of the stick. We think they love me, you know, they understand me, they'll get over it. But the goal of the Holy Spirit is to make every person in this place a sensitive person at home, at work, at school, in our neighborhoods. Now, for some of us, and uh, I can be this way, you know, over on this end of the continuum here, we're a little kindness uh, challenge. This might be hard for some of us to hear, but, but we need to hear this. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's no longer cool to be grouchy, to use harsh language, coarse language, intimidating body language. That's, that's no longer cool. If you're a follower of Jesus and, you know, you're over on this end of the continuum, you need to admit it and own it. And you need to say that through the power of Jesus, I'm going to move, uh, I'm going to take a step uh, toward kindness on, on my uh, journey of following uh, Jesus. Here's a verse that can help us be more sensitive and and uh, maybe reduce our jerk factor a little bit. Powerful words, seven powerful words from Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to say this out loud with me. Ready? Be kind and compassionate to another. One more time. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And so tomorrow morning on your way to work, somebody cuts you off. You're going to say, be kind and compassionate to one another. Tuesday morning you get up and your two-year-old uh, grabbed the lipstick and rubbed it all over the family room wall. You're going to say, be kind and compassionate to one another. Wednesday at lunch with an important client, the server pours a pitcher of water in your lap. You're going to go, be kind and compassionate to one another. Next weekend, the pastor doesn't show up on stage when it's his turn. Be kind, compassionate to one another. I think it really helps to say those words and uh, help us develop sensitivity. Something I love about our church, maybe you've noticed this, is a way that we've just been gripped uh, with, with sensitivity for global poverty issues. Uh, in June, we sent a team over to Haiti to uh, help plant a new church over there. I'm so glad that we're partnering with a minister, uh, ministry in Haiti. Haiti has so many needs. We also sponsor over 100 children in Ecuador and started a church there. We sponsor over 100 children at a school in a slum in Nairobi, Kenya called Baba Ndogo. We helped build this school for them, and we care about these children, and many of us, we write to them, we know their name, we've got a picture of them up in our, in our home. This fall, we're sending a team over to Nairobi, Kenya to, to help serve needs in one of the poorest areas in the en entire world. But I have to tell you about a concern I have, that we can care for, uh, care and be sensitive to needs on the other side of the world, and we should, and not be sensitive to needs that are right around us in our community, that are right in front of us. That's why we started reaching out locally. That's why we began this initiative called Love Waukesha a couple years ago. We're already sponsoring our second house in downtown Waukesha through a partnership with Habitat for Humanity. And if you're interested, we've got some build dates, more build dates coming up here in, in, in August. And if you'd like to uh, volunteer, what a wonderful way to show kindness. You can sign up online uh, using the address on your uh, outline. And uh, 
uh, you'll have a wonderful experience. We also have a partnership with Whittier Elementary School in Waukesha. Many Whittier families have needs that we can help meet. And so we have a school kickoff event coming up, in, coming up next month where we provide a free brand new school outfit and a free uh, haircut for the start of school and just a fun event for families. And we're looking for some more volunteers. I hope that you'll consider volunteering as an individual. If you're in a small group, uh, sign up as a group and come and, and show love and kindness uh, right here in Waukesha. You can stop at the Contribute Corner in the lobby to find out more. Now, one last quality I admire about David, David's kindness to Mephibosheth is that he responded sacrificially. Kindness always has a cost. There's a price tag associated with it. And, and, and think about what it cost David. He gave all the land and possessions that had belonged to the ex-king Saul. And then he appoints Ziba and 15 of his sons and 20 of his servants to farm the land and provide for, for, for M. And then unbelievably, to top it all off, he pays a personal price by asking Mephibosheth to sit at the royal table in the palace every day for the rest of his life. I mean, think about this. I mean, if you had been David, it would have been easy to just kind of ease your conscience and maybe cut a check and send it to Mephibosheth every month to help pay for rent or maybe send a meal for the holidays or some Christmas cards. Or he could have set up a little trust fund and Mephibosheth could have lived off the interest, but not David. He personally sacrificed himself, his home, his family, his resources. There was a price tag to it. That's because... This is God's kindness, and it is spontaneous, it is sensitive, and it is sacrificial. That's what David showed to Mephibosheth, and it's an opportunity around us every day. It's in your neighborhood, it's in your school, it's in your, it's in your workplace, it's in your family. And God's calling you to be aware of the Mephibosheths who walk with a limp, go through life walking with a limp right around you. Sometimes people ask this question. They ask, what's the kindest thing that you can do for another person? Great question. Here's the answer. The single kindest thing that you can do for another person is point them to the God who made them and loves them and wants a relationship with them through his son. Romans chapter 3 says this about God. It says, for all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet now God... In his gracious kindness, there's that word, declares us not guilty. He's done this through Christ Jesus who has freed, who has freed us by taking away our sins. That's who God is. And he wants, us, he wants to make us more like him. But we're flawed. And we all have a past. And so God says, I'm going to make a sacrifice so that your past doesn't have to define who you are. And through my gracious kindness... Through the sacrifice of my son, I'm going to make a new you. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment and uh, take a little time to reflect and then pray? I just love this picture of Mephibosheth getting what he didn't deserve. And think about this poor, forgotten, handicapped young man. The rest of his life he eats at the king's table. I love this image because at the king's table, his handicap disappeared. It was under the table. It was hidden. I love that image. And through Jesus at his table, our past, our flaws, our handicaps, they all disappear. He treats all of us as better than we deserve. He treats us with gracious kindness. And through his gracious kindness, 
through what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we can have our sins taken away. And we ought to respond to that spontaneously and sensitively and sacrificially by treating others with this gracious kindness. Maybe some of you are saying, I want to receive God's kindness in my life. I want to find a new beginning. I want to put my faith in Jesus. In recent weeks, many people have responded and put their faith in Jesus and have turned toward him, rethinking everything in their life and getting baptized into him. We baptized 24 people last night. Some of you, some of you are saying, I want that too. And it's not too late. Uh, we have everything that you need. Our baptistries filled up and heated up. And we've got everything you, that you need to do this today. Just after the service, stop by the connect wall. There's nothing we'd rather talk to you about and help you to do. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to pass communion. This is new to you, and you want to take a pass on it, that's fine. But if you want to participate and put your trust in Jesus, we welcome you. Jesus welcomes you with open arms and gracious kindness. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for your gracious kindness, for sacrificially responding to our need and giving us your son. There's not a mom or a dad in this room who can imagine giving one of our kids out of love for others. God, I pray that in our homes and in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, like David did for Mephibosheth, that we would be, that we would be men and women that are known for extraordinary acts of kindness to those who walk with a limp, whether it's physically or spiritually or emotionally. We pray that you would empower us by your spirit. And I pray that during this communion moment, we would examine ourselves as we thank you for your gracious and sacrificial kindness through your son, in whose name we pray. Amen.